Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel reading this morning is from the second chapter of St. John. Now the Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. Now his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, well, what sign can you show us for doing this? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, before we get started today, I do, uh, I do want to congratulate our kids who are uh, receiving their first communion today uh, and another group that will be receiving their communion in, in, uh, in two weeks. Significant milestones. What a blessed time for them and for their families. We're proud of them. They've learned during these last four weeks that Pastor um, Laura spoke about, they've learned that, that um, in communion we are promised that God is fully present with us in the sharing of this meal together. God promises His full presence. They also learn that communion is a reminder that God is first and foremost a giver, a giving God who gives in great abundance, selflessly, graciously, even His very life, His body and His blood, this God the giver. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the inspiration of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our redeemer. Amen. So during Lent, um, we've been taking a look at what we call the five essential practices of the Christian life, worship, serving, uh, sharing, studying, and this week, giving. I'll admit that one of the challenges that we face whenever we talk about giving is that we always sort of immediately connect it with money. I'm not afraid of that, of course, nothing wrong with it. I don't want to shy away from it. But I also don't want to forget that our approach each and every week uh, uh, regarding these practices is this. These are the practices of Christians because they are the practices of Jesus, And that's what's particularly important, his five priorities in daily living, to worship, to study, to share, to serve, to give. And and so if we are to ask, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, it only makes sense for us to look carefully into the life of Jesus, to follow or to value what he valued, to prioritize what he prioritized. So today, let's look at Jesus, the giver. Now, admittedly, some folks have had a hard time uh, considering um, Jesus as a giver, God as a giver during this bizarre time period, this bizarre year. When so many folks have faced the challenges of, of, a, of a global pandemic, especially among those who have struggled with loss of job or income, sickness, and death. 
I mean, there are folks certainly in this audience today, in person, online, who have faced your own very particular challenges that have cut you to the bone, I'm sure. To some, God does not feel very much like a, a giving God during, during these days. But Benson Dung thinks otherwise. Benson was interviewed recently, a fascinating interview, regarding some of the world's um, chaotic places and events, including the pandemic. Benson, as it turns out, grew up himself facing quite a bit of, of chaos in his own story, in his own life. He grew up in a small village of the Dinka tribe in southern Sudan. His story is told in a fantastic book. It's, it's a tough book, so be careful if you choose to read it. But it's a 2005 book entitled, They Poured Fire on Us from the Sky. It's the harrowing story of, of the lost boys of Sudan. It began in the middle of the night in July of 1987, his story at least, and the story of this particular tribe. It was a story of gunfire that abruptly woke him up. The ground was literally shaking underneath his feet. He stepped outside, and that's when he saw all the huts of his village. They were up in, in flames, burning all at once. It was totally chaotic. There was so much smoke. There was so much dust, and and so much noise causing absolute total confusion and, and pandemonium. Suddenly, red fireballs were, were falling from the sky. He, he says, troops were attacking with weapons. Women were slashed with machetes. Men were murdered. Children captured as they, as, as, as they ran by troops who were eager to turn them into slaves. He, he later discovered that, that the goal was to wipe out the Dinka tribe from the face of the earth. Now, since Benson is telling the story, you can surmise, of course, that, that he was one of the lucky ones, if you can consider him lucky, I guess. He did escape, however, and that's good. If a young boy, however, now suddenly having escaped and left his family, who was left to die, by the way, he was the only one who survived this event, this young boy now all alone in the vast expanse of the Sudan, He'd spend the next few years, not days or months, the next few years running as fast and as far as he could, not even sure where he was going. He was somehow surviving the desert, nearly eaten alive by lions and hyena. He was, he was meeting up with a clan of lost children, other, other boys and, and girls who were who themselves escaping from the harrowing events of that night and other nights like them, watching so many of these children die of hunger in the desert. They learned to drink urine and, to, and, and took turns testing wild foods just to see if, if they were safe or not. His life was chaos. They would hide during the day and they would run at night, but each night as he ran, he would cry. He cried, praying for his, his parents, for his brothers and sisters who he left behind. He felt so very alone. But then he would look into the night sky. This kid who was not much older than these kids who were receiving their first communion today. He would look deep into the night sky and see the vastness of a universe filled with stars, which he believed were gifts from God. You see, Benson had learned at a young age that, 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 that what he was looking at was the Milky Way 
galaxy, our galaxy, of course, and that there are a hundred billion stars in that one galaxy, most of which are larger than the sun. And it takes anywhere from a few hundred years to 95,000 years from the light of those stars to reach Earth, which means that the starlight that Benson was seeing each and every night took as much as 95,000 years to reach him every time he looked into the stars. He knew that that light was a gift from God to guide his path. Which reminds me in times like these, times like we've experienced in this past year, times of our own chaos and our own trauma and challenge, it reminds me in times like these that when God says that he can bring order from chaos as he does in the very first chapter of Scripture and the first words of the story of creation, you better believe he can. No matter No matter the situation, just ask Benson and he'll tell you all about this God, this creator God, God the giver who brought order from his chaos, who gave light unto his darkened path. That the God who placed billions of galaxies in the universe is the same God who rescued Benson from the grip of death and will do the same for you and for me. This God who creates, who restores, who enlightens, who forgives, the God who pulls me from chaos, who walks with me through the valley and to the top of the highest mountain. Why? Because our God is a giving God. It's God's very nature to be a giving God. And here's the point. Giving begins with God. Always. Our giving is simply a response to what God has first given us. This God who is the author, the sculptor, the creator, who came to earth as a human and who gave his life on a cross for us. Faithful giving is a response to what God has first given us. Faithful giving is a response to what God has first given us. Imagine then... As we reflect on this story from Scripture, the gospel reading today, imagine how disappointed Jesus was when he walked into the temple and he saw an entire system set up in which, in, in which giving was according to rules and regulations, the exchange of money. He walks into the temple and he sees all kinds of, of people, all people from all corners of the earth really gathering at the temple uh, who bring their own money to the temple and therefore have to have that money exchanged for temple money so that they can then purchase the sacrifices, the animal sacrifices that are needed for their sacrifice at the altar of the Lord. It was, a, it was a, a remarkably complex, really, system that he was entering into. How businessmen had set up tables to lure pilgrims into this ritual of sacrifice, this highly regulated system that man had created to gain favor with God. We give, Jesus would remind us. But we give not to earn God's blessing. We give in response to God's blessing. And we give just as Jesus gave. I mean, he comes to this earth to show us, to teach us, to to model for us all of these beautiful, blessed practices of faithful living. And he does the same in terms of our giving. We give just as Jesus gave, selflessly, lovingly, abundantly, and sacrificially. This Jesus who never gave just a little, but always gave his all. Once there was a 
a tree. And she loved a little boy. And every day, and every day, the little boy would come and he would gather her leaves and make them into crowns and play king of the forest. Oh, this little boy, he would, he would climb up her trunk and swing from her branches. And when he was tired, he would sleep in her shade. Oh, the boy loved this tree so very, very much. And the tree was happy. But time went by. And the boy grew older, as boys do. And, and the tree was often alone. Then one day, the boy came to the tree and said, and the tree said, come, boy, come and climb up my trunk and swing from my branches and eat my apples and play in, in my shade and be happy. Oh, I'm too big, the boy said. I'm too big to climb and to play. I want to buy things and, and to have fun. I want some money. Can you give me some money? I'm sorry, said the tree. I don't have money. I only have leaves and, and apples. But take my apples, boy, and sell them in the city. Then you will have money and you'll be happy. And so the boy climbed up the tree and gathered her apples and carried them all away. And the tree was happy and the boy stayed away for a long time. And the tree was sad. Then one day, the boy came back, and the tree shook with joy, and the tree said, come, boy, come and climb up my trunk, trunk and swing from my branches and eat apples and play in my shade and be happy. Oh, I'm too busy to climb a tree, said the boy. I want a house to keep me warm. He said, I want a wife, and I want children, and yeah, I, I need a, a house in which to live. Can you give me a house? Uh, I have no house, said the tree. The forest is my house, uh, but you may cut off my branches, and then you can build yourself a, a house. Then you will be happy. And, and so the boy did just that. He, he cut off all of her branches and carried them away to build a house, and the tree was happy. And the boy stayed away for a long time, and the tree was sad and, until the boy came back, and, and the tree was so happy she could hardly speak. Come, boy, she said, come and play. I'm too old to come and play, said the boy. I want a boat that will just take me away from here. Can you give me a boat? Well, you could cut down my trunk. You could cut down my trunk and build a boat, said the tree. Then you can sail away and you could be happy. Oh, so the boy did just that. The boy cut down her trunk and made a boat and sailed away and the tree was happy, but not really. After a long time, the boy came back. I'm sorry, boy, said the tree. I have nothing left to give you. My apples are gone. <laughs> My teeth are too weak for apples, the boy said. My branches are gone. You cannot swing on them. <laughs> I'm too old to swing on branches, said the boy. My trunk too. It's gone. You, you cannot climb. Oh, I'm too tired to, to climb, said the boy. I'm sorry, said the tree. I, I wish that I could give you something, but I have nothing left. I'm just an old stump. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't need very much now, said the boy. Just a quiet place to sit and to rest. I'm so very tired. Well, said the tree. <laughs> Straighten herself up as much as she possibly could. Listen, an old stump is good for sitting. 
And it's good for resting too. Come, boys, sit down and rest. And the tree was so very happy. We worship, we study, we serve, we share, and we give of our very life for the sake of the world. Oh, my friends, may you know the true and utter joy that comes with giving. Amen.